Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So there's a micro... Very, very important. Brewing. Very, very <laughs> important topic. Go ahead, Elliot. No, it's it's a micro controversy, but I do think it's super interesting. It's a long um, about It's been going on for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's about noging. This is a term basically created, I think, by Leomi Maldonado, who's a voguing... Uh, <laughs> it's like a <laughs> legend of voguing, who's a judge on... Um, uh, the HBO show uh, uh, Legendary. She's an icon. Um, I mean, she's, so she's, she's, she's she's literally a yeah. legend in, in ballroom culture, everything. Mm. Yes. So she is pretty much like the preeminent voice, or at least, you know. For voguing, uh, yes. <laughs> like for ballroom culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, uh, she wrote recently that she, on Twitter, I really wish those contestants would stop making a mockery out of ballroom but continuously noging for their lives. So she's using the term to describe people on Drag Race, basically, who are uh, not which, voguing. Not do voguing. It, yeah, yeah. They're right. attempting to vogue without what she what she would consider doing it correctly. She thinks she calls it a mockery. Um, she says, "Imagine being a delusional individual who thinks me pointing out noging is me hating waste is hating, wasting time, leaving time in my leaving comments about my tweets." Anyway. Her whole, basically her whole, you know, the point she's trying to make is that I think she she thinks that the voguing that goes on on Drag Race can be seen as a sort of watered down, um, maybe neutered version of the ballroom <clears throat> culture that she yeah. comes from. And it's a really interesting point. I mean, oh, and I, I know Brent, Brent's making, uh, barely, barely able to talk about no, this, but... <laughs> Because there's a larger, bigger issue that I think that isn't included here, but that she's talked about before, and that many people in the ballroom culture, especially who are as iconic as she is in the ballroom culture, and just for anyone listening, ballroom culture was sort of something that came out. It's uh, Paris is Burning. The documentary Paris is Burning is largely about ballroom culture. It is about ballroom culture. And it's sort of a primarily black, Latinx sort of like, you know, mix of different just people of color in general who during the AIDS epidemic, they would often come together as sort of having these like massive ballrooms balls where, where balls basically where they could perform in different challenges and do different things and it was it was a way of creating a community when they were being pushed out of the families they were from so, so and it, mm-hmm. and it's just fat i mean to that point alone it's like it is fascinating that this one documentary from like 1987 has yeah. remained so prevalent yeah. and not just prevalent but like has become more and more and more of a thing in the past 10 years yeah. i guess because of drag race but because gay no culture has it. it's the only thing that exists that's the problem is that there are lots of documentaries about the fall of wall street in the 1980s or the reagan administration or a lot of other white things bernie madoff i've there watched are a lot of do- yeah there are a lot of documentaries about bernie too but there are very there is only really one documentary about ballroom culture or even the black queer community black and latin queer community in new york or in general in the 1980s it doesn't exist there's one mm. it's shocking and appalling yeah. um, but, so, but let's get back to but, yeah i want to get to the discussion points get back to the to the larger points here <laughs> it's it really important because it's about cultural appropriation that's laomi's yes larger yes point, is that it's not that they're they're voguing incorrectly necessarily even though she does make a point of you know, pointing out that they're doing it incorrectly, but it's about 
primarily white queens and drag race in general, but not just white, stealing something from ballroom culture, appropriating it for their own use in an incorrect way without necessarily giving credit to where it comes from. And that's now, the larger discussion. Re, re, real quick. So didn't Madonna make yes. voguing yes. popular? That was yes. another. Now, was that, was that problematic? That was also, well, it wasn't yes. problematic because there was no voice or platform for the people who found it problematic to speak their voice. Because like I said, there was only one documentary that covered this community. So there, so news outlets weren't taking them seriously yeah. when they were saying this. It's is also double, it's also double-sided on one end. You have people going, oh my God, she's bringing this underground thing, like a real genre to the mainstream and genuinely like like uh, 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 announcing it to mainstream America, the world, yeah. the small thing. And on the other hand, and, and employing people that way and giving it a life that it didn't necessarily have before that. Then on the other hand, I think you probably had people from the world who were like, wait, she is, aka the way Laomi is talking mm -hmm. about Drag Race, yeah. neutering it, taking away the nuance, not recognizing really where it comes from. But like, you remember the Vogue video from when you were a kid, right? Like, yeah. and how, like, and Brent how doesn't. they- like, Brent doesn't, but we- remember it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I remember because the guys in it looked particularly effeminate. And yeah. it was, and I just, and it, I didn't, I didn't have a feeling about it. It just struck me. Well, well I, also, I, I guess there was an I, argument I'm always didn't come from ball culture. They were dancers of hers where the, another argument was that she should have been hiring people who were in Paris's burn. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I get that. I, I, I also I'm always torn on these issues because, of course, I, I understand and respect, you know, the power of an art form, especially one that you create with such a, you know, an, an important uh, sociological history such as this one. But on the other hand, like that's art begets art, you know, you know, sure. over time, art kind of shifts and evolves. That's how we that's how you get interesting, creative things. And like just because someone yeah. isn't a certified licensed voguer doesn't mean that they shouldn't do it at all. But there is, um, there I, is I just I feel like that's a, just feels a little extreme. So I, I'm torn. I'm, I'm torn between two. I hear you, but it goes to like another issue that's sort of related to this in, and there's a big discussion around it, around, it, you see these viral dances that go out, right? These viral dances on TikTok or Instagram, whatever, and kids are all largely creating them. And there's a lot of instances, a lot of instances in which a black content creator or a content creator of color in general creates, authentically creates a dance that then goes viral. And then you have a Dixie D'Amelio or whatever, some big TikTok, white TikTok star then takes that dance popularizes it and then they get the credit for that and they get all the money and all the views and they get brought on all the talk shows to do this dance and that isn't actually are, a very real thing they're <laughs> getting like, money they're getting money for it whereas the person who created it the choreographer if you will who then the, the, her, dixie stole essentially the dance from and then recreated it is profiting from it and the creator is not getting anything from it yeah that a disparity. Totally, it totally sucks, but that's the nature of that's the inherent nature of social media now. Like, sure, you could, you know, I mean, I mean, that's the, not the, people don't usually trace down who found. Elliot and I were actually just having this conversation earlier. People don't usually trace down who founded a hashtag. Sometimes they do, but usually not. Like, that's the nature of putting yourself out there. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I think it's a great point. It totally sucks for a choreographer to create something that becomes a worldwide sensation on this dumb yeah. app. But like, that's, that's a really cool thing and you get no credit for it. That's fucked. But there's that's a, also a TikTok's problem. There's a, but it isn't necessarily because it's also 
journalists problem. It's also, you know, late night talk show hosts who have these people on's problem in that you can do your due diligence, just like the people who get credited for creating Oscars so white or Black Lives Matter. Those are hashtags that are credited to people that now are the people speaking on the news shows about those topics. And so due diligence was done in giving credit to the people who created those things and then they're being quoted. The same thing can happen with social media in that it's the person's going to steal it regardless. You're right. That's the nature of social media. But it's all of the people who then give it more life, the studios, the industry, the talk shows, the whatever it is that then everyone's making money and it's not hard to then pinpoint the person who did it and maybe give them a cut of the pie. You know what I mean? What do you what do you think about like, well, she wrote she wrote too like regarding the appropriation. Uh, sorry, Laomi wrote, there's a diff- there's definitely a huge difference between Virgin Vogue in and Noging. Virgin Vogue means you're studying videos, attending classes to learn from Voguers, from, you know, that form of dance. Noging, Vogers, yeah. <laughs> Noging is more so someone seeing Vogue and then just imitating and displaying it however they feel yes, because they're like, right. really like the duck walk and all the things that you see these queens doing, which... They're doing it, of course. They're doing it live shows, they're doing it everywhere. And it's like, it is a watered down version. But do you, I'm curious, like as a drag queen, do you, do you think, is it, is it a bad thing? Is it a phony thing? Like, I don't understand, I don't understand. I I can understand the argument as to why it's like appropriation, but it all begets the same thing. And I get that. I get, and as a drag queen whose step count totals 12 steps during a performance, (laughs) I probably should not be speaking on this, but I will say, to that point, there are like certain songs I won't do or certain things I won't do because I know, A, it isn't culturally appropriate for me to do those things. I'm aware of that. So I step back. It's not me stifling my voice or my art or being PC. It is literally having a respect for where something comes from and recognizing I don't have that experience. I'm, I don't belong to be doing that. I shouldn't be doing that. And so there's that element to it that I don't think it's hard to then make that self sort of like to be that self-aware and to recognize that maybe you shouldn't do this and you should leave it up to the people who probably have this in their culture and maybe it's more important for them to be doing it on stage than me doing it on stage you know what i mean yeah but but i'm just saying it's fast it, to me it's interesting because the show like the show legendary i mean it's it was canceled but it ran for a couple of seasons and it was like an outgrowth of of drag race where the idea of like Vogue dancing, which wasn't really even spoken of, it was just part of the culture of the show, then gave made room for a show like Legendary to take place. That's all about ballroom dancing and all about that community. That. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily, I feel like the people behind Legendary would also probably counter that point in that like Voguing has been around and, and ballroom culture has been around long before even RuPaul. And RuPaul stole a lot of it. And it's, and sure, yeah, she did what Madonna did. gets art. Sure. Like that's, I get that. But there is this sort of importance. I remember even when I worked at Gay Men's Health Crisis in New York, and there was a whole thing of the Gay Men's Health Crisis having their own ball for people. To, it was like a fundraiser for people to come and support and see these kids. Cause they are kids. A lot of times they're 16, 17, 18, these young queer kids, largely of color coming to do these dances. And it's incredible to watch. And that's been going on since the late eighties. So. <clears throat> I would think, if anything, like it, ballroom created Drag Race, and Drag Race should be crediting ballroom. And oh, absolutely, and I th- yes, yeah, I think it, that chronology works. But I just think that the chronology is real. I just think that 
legendary wouldn't necessarily exist without the the, yeah, inf- I get the popularity of drag race the way that it's popularized everything so that even brent knows that what this is <laughs> i don't know what that I'm is doing a dra- it's a drag no. it's a voguing move it's oh, a, you do it better i, well, I didn't, I didn't better. know what, i didn't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> he's waving his hand in front of his face like there's something i'm smell. not waving i'm doing the thing it, where it's like you a wave you, it's it's a yeah. curvature of the face. Yeah. How how dare you do that? <laughs> Not even joking. We are here today with a friend of the pod. We all love her in our own individual ways. Rachel Bloom. Hello, hey. Rachel Bloom. God, just thrilled. Thrilled to be here. <laughs> we were just talking beforehand where Rachel, you said you were painfully straight. And I had to point out, and all of our listeners I know will agree. You are actually like you're straight, but you're not to us. You know what I mean? Like you're a part of the community. And I I appreciate that. And like, look, is there a part of me that likes other genders? Of course. But there's a part of everyone that likes other genders. Yeah. So I would never I would never uh, embrace. I would never insult people in the LGBTQIA plus community oh. by by <laughs> by being like, but I'm but right. I'm queer too. like, I no, no. But just to say, am I am I a solid one on the Kinsey scale? No. The irony irony is that you're, I think, in the minority now. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that, like, so many people are co-opting, you know, queer, any kind of verbiage now to sort of be underneath the umbrella to say that they're different, you know? And look, we all I was just talking uh, about this with a with a friend who's uh, queer gay she's only ever ever been into women married a woman and she's like yeah like at a certain point yeah sure everyone's queer i guess like it's just like i don't want to police other people's like of course sexuality by being like but how queer really are you you know but i just for my own purposes i say painfully straight as the best approximation if i have to round my sexuality to one thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I don't think other, I love other genders too. I love Faith Donaway. I love <laughs> right. Streisand. Right, right. <laughs> I can't help it. I do love Faith Donaway a lot. I don't know why. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's, that's like a, that's like a thing. It's, it's a thing. I mean, like a lot of gay guys love Faye Dunham. I don't know if yeah. they do or if they just despise her. I think I actually love her and they just make fun of her. Whereas I don't make fun of her. She is actually everything for me. You know, I've discovered a bunch of her videos online of her signing autographs and yeah. they're like my favorite videos because she's very mean to her fans. She oh clearly does not like them. <laughs> and it it's was all. There's one video of her, she's signing autographs, but she's also like, looks like she's selling lemonade on a street corner. And she's talking about how I think Steven, or no, who did, who did um, Avita? Who's the musician? The, yes. Um, Andrew Lloyd Rachel Webber. Lloyd Webber yeah. How Andrew Lloyd Webber fucked her over for, uh, oh God, Sunset Boulevard music. Well, everyone hates Andrew Lloyd <laughs> yes. Webber for fucking them over for Sunset Boulevard. Yes. It's, it's yeah. so true. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen Patti Lapone hiss oh, at yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, really? So good. So she's another gender I love. (laughs) But what is that? So, like, why? Okay. Why is a woman like being super mean, queer canon? What what is that? Great question. Just what I mean. I mean, I think I'm probably the best to speak to this because (laughs) it is just everything that you wish you could like 
in that angry moment with your parents when you're a teenager and in the closet, you want to turn around and have that line that Faye Dunaway says in Mommy Dear wow. or or Patti Lapone said on Watch What Happens Live about Madonna or whatever. And you want to <laughs> be witty enough to have those lines. And they, because they're vapid and in the world of their own, exist in that way all the mm. time. And I love mm. it. But what is the, but to Rachel's point, what is that, yeah, what is I mean, the appeal of, of seeing a woman be angry in that way. Well, not it's not just angry. It's like a woman who's angry and feisty. Like mm-hmm. what? Why? What is the appeal of that? Because because vengeful comments and and comebacks are universal. It's not just gay yeah. men who have those fantasies. So like, why is it? It's almost like astrological signs. It's like a replacement for a personality. You know what I mean? Why, yeah. why do if you, if you make your personality around sharing memes, which I don't necessarily, but sharing mm-hmm. memes of like Faye Dunaway? Well, then maybe maybe you should like watch a movie, another movie, a different kind of thing. Maybe watch, you know, Rebooted or Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or something and have yeah. an icon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, right, that that because so, I, I feel like I mean, a lot of overlap I have with the queer community is in my taste of art, obviously musical theater, but also like, I remember, I just had this memory of quoting as a child. Okay. Was it Sisters, the show that Susie Kearns Oh was my God. God. I love okay. <laughs> okay. So my parents watched Sisters and I want to say, she said on that show, you can take my, oh fuck. She was like, you can you can take my clothes, you can take my pearls, but God is my witness, you shall never take my home. (laughs) And I was at school and I was getting made fun of, and I have this memory, I know this is true because no one's ever brought this up to me before. I was six or seven and I, I basically was like, you can you can make fun of my address, but God is my witness. I go to this school or something like that. And everyone, I was always, I think, trying to take like iconic catchphrases, but failing miserably, yeah. like failing, like, like stumbling and failing and everyone being like, what are you literally talking yeah. about? Yeah. I mean, that was my entire childhood making references that nobody understood. That is literally my existence as a child. Of course, then I got older and I was like, oh, I'll just do comedy and then everyone's going to get it because we're all weirdos. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something about, you know, to answer that question, I think that there's something to at least there used to be the idea of like not being allowed to watch women, quote unquote, behave badly. So getting to watch a woman behave badly in the way that being gay, you were also told to sort of be invisible and pipe down and not, you know, show your show your cards. I think there is some element of getting um, a vic- of getting like catharsis or some sort of vicarious um, release through watching. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of like the ladies on Dynasty who were like wrestling each other or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. right. But like even recently <laughs> on uh, they did on the celebrity drag drag race. Yeah, there was like one of the contestants did a duet with um, Violet Tchotchke and they were duetting the Whitney and Mariah song from the Prince of Egypt. Uh, I forget the name <laughs> of it, but it's, I love that. When song. you believe when you believe. Yeah. You. And it's, and it was a very simple presentation where they were, they were wearing the same dress by accident. And so the two of them are <laughs> lip syncing it, but I swear to God, I was, it makes me laugh because Violet Tchotchke is really giving you this like, 
fury. Like she hates this woman yeah. in the middle of the duet, like a Whitney, like a Whitney Mariah uh, uh, competition Would be like, thing. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. the way that it's obviously it's cartoonish because it's drag, but the way that she sneers mm-hmm. at uh, the other contestant while they're both singing this song, it's like, I don't know why, it, but, but that yeah. kills me. Dorothy's Bornack zingers kill me when they beat each yeah. other for the Golden Girls. Like, yeah. It just it just appeals. So it's gla- it's, it's almost like glamorous or polished anger. Because yeah. I feel that yeah. too. It's I have the same. Too. I wish I wish I could be as articulate mm. and as smart and cool headed. Yeah. As insert Darth whatever icon I here because I have that rage, but I don't know how to express it with myself yeah. sometimes but but outsourcing it to someone so that's interesting you know, like, uh, that's wait that's that's something i've been coming to terms with recently which is like i like always envision myself as this smart person who can take anyone on in an argument and i am just well i always beat alan in arguments cuz i can see him smart sure. but no, that's that said that said i am so <laughs> disappointed in myself how often i can't find the right words i can't you know how often does it happen to you that like some like (laughs) some like bank teller says something shitty to you and like you know two and a half hours later you're like oh i should have said no how about you bitch or whatever and like and it just happens so much and i'm like god i wish i was that guy who actually knew how to say things quickly it's you like know? all those movies but it's was- trauma it's, it's tra- yeah. like i my therapist as as look i uh i've been through i went through some childhood trauma as all as all of us did uh in various aspects i'm sure and i think um I, there's this there's this trauma response it's fight flight freeze or fawn mm-hmm. and i much go into freeze and fawn what does that mean I, so it's it's basically how your body reacts to when you're faced with what your brain is saying lion in the bushes on like a very like yeah. primal yeah. level right and your adrenaline goes up and you're and you're told like there is a threat here and this happens to me you know if there's someone rude to me at a store or if right. someone <laughs> is rude to me somewhere if someone's rude to me somewhere it's it's like my body and brain think oh this is a tra- it's a trauma response my body is like yeah. you're in danger someone's going to kill you yeah. and what's the fawn part so wait, wait, fawn, i want to hear so so fight flight freeze or fawn are the four things people kind of defense mechanism go into when they are experiencing Trauma and trauma can mean anything from just a person being rude to you at the store. Yeah. And yeah. so fight is like you go at it, right? Conflict. Like you, you your adrenaline surges and you embrace the conflict. And I feel like those are the people who in a fight can say like the best fucking zingers. And I actually yeah. think it's quite rare. Yeah. So flight is like your body is like, we we need to get at, we need to run. We just need yeah. we need to get out of here as quickly as possible. Maybe you're evacuating your bowels too. Right. Freeze is you you're paralyzed. You, you literally don't know what to say or do. And then fawn. And I do this is you try to make everything. Okay. That's me. Yeah. So I do that too. And so if there's a trauma, I, 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 instead of my fight is the last thing I do. If, if I am in a weird situation where I sense someone's being hostile to me, I will be, I will immediately try to be like, by the way, I, I love your dress. Yeah. Oh my God, this sequins <laughs> on you. Wow. I will just immediately flatter to try to make everything okay. And so I imagine, I feel like I'm in therapy right now because I've never actually thought, yeah. but when I see someone being articulately angry, 
it, whether it's like in real life or like on screen, I, I live vicariously through that because to me, there's, there's no such thing really as articulate anger yeah. because it's a, your, your lizard brain is, is reacting. Yeah. And that's not the part of your brain. That's like creative for me. Uh-huh. It's not the part of my brain that's like creative <clears throat> or free thinking. And so it's just like articulate are being articulate and being angry are not two things that are synonymous in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard. I mean, everyone's heard of fight or flight. I don't think I've heard of freezer fawn. Love that. I, I feel, I feel like I get it. There's like those things in the movies where, you know, like it's like, I think it happened in 30 rock ones where like she's on drugs or something and she's thinking she's saying something really great, but then it comes <laughs> up her being like, like, and that to me is, it just happened on the, uh, the only murders in the building. I've been watching that. They do that there. It's such a funny thing to cut to, but it speaks yeah. to that. It speaks to sort of how we respond to trauma, I guess, in a yeah. lot of ways, you know? I used to write down in my diary insults i would i would be like here's a list of insults i can say yeah. this is like in middle school i never i never also they were terrible ideas but i never in the moment busted them out except for one my mom my mom told me to t- <laughs> yeah my mom told me to tell people that they have a charisma bypass oh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was like she was like when sakata was made fun of a lot and my mom also kind of has like a gay icon. Like my mom watched the Betty Broderick movie over and over and over and over and over and over when, yeah. when I was a kid. So there was a lot of dramatic people on Lifetime. But my my mother was like, when someone's mean to you, just say they have a charisma bypass. <laughs> I would do that and people would be confused. And I'd be like, ha, you're dumb. <laughs> Yeah. But now I'm like, does that phrase make any sense? <laughs> I don't even nope. I fully don't <laughs> no, get it. It, it makes no sense. If you deliver it in such a way, I don't think it matters that it make doesn't make sense because it's just mm. it's just solid. You know what I mean? It's cool. Well, I wouldn't take that advice from someone with such a charisma bypass. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, well, but but let, Rachel, let, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about reboot. Oh, reboot is so good. Oh, so oh great. thank you. Uh, we yeah. So I mean, just tell us, tell us a little, tell us of the listeners who haven't seen it. Tell us a little bit about the show. Well, we are a show on Hulu about a show within a show from the early two thousands getting rebooted. And nice. do we have a second season in real life? I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna find out soon. They have to tell us. Yeah. So watch it. I hope because uh, it's so good. I love it, but I would say watch it. But also, uh, you may be too late. Who knows? What's great about it is that it's like. As somebody, you know, being in the business, I watch it and it's like, it's so real. But I also don't think you have to be anywhere near being in the business to just get the fun of it and also get like, it is really heartwarming. Like your relationship with Paul Reiser as your sort of um, absentee dad, who's now your co producer on a show that you're you're the head writer and he's the head it's it's just fantastic and, and so of course paul riser i will say because paul riser i like paul riser and mad about you and then there was a moment he was on stranger things and i was like paul what are you doing what's going mm-hmm. on <laughs> i don't you're i don't want mad. this from you i don't want this from, and then and then i saw a reboot yeah. and i was like oh back in my heart thank you i hope this helen hunt comes great. next season oh god that would be fucking <laughs> cute that would be absolutely amazing yeah i don't know i i uh what I like about it is that it's not doing the easy thing of like, oh, Hollywood people are so um, mean. Yes. They're, Cause that's not, that's not true. Like, yeah, there are people who are mean, but really it's that they're broken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's I, 
my Aline said said this, but I don't know if she made this up, but she's like, yeah, everyone who comes to Hollywood, they're a dented can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the real of it. There isn't this there isn't this sinister global cabal of yeah, let's yeah. control the media and we're all rich. It's just yeah. a bunch of really insecure people feeling weird at award shows because award shows are really fucking weird. Yeah. 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 Fully. Then some people don't want to some people are good at like faking that they don't have a dent in their can and just mm. like like doubling down into like a an, an arrogance as protection and it works mm-hmm. um but then if you're like willing to admit that you have a dent that can actually sort of backfire on you <laughs> if you're like yes. you know what i mean like if you're like oh i can be vulnerable and then someone's like yeah i'm vulnerable but also i'm amazing and they double down and <laughs> yeah. it works for them it's like they talk their way to success even if it's like flimsy just by nature of being we're still talking about faith on a way Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway i mean it's just it's just so good um and it's judy greer there i i was gonna say oh god I, she's she's just so fantastic she's she i feel like is a is like a queer icon yeah. in her own way like she's, she's just she's just in i mean she's in everything and she's just so fucking good i mean her little bit in what women want i was like you're immediately oh, invited right. to the parade immediately she's at every pride parade always invited open <laughs> <laughs> She's just God, yeah, she's so good. Job, I mean, Jawbreaker yeah. was a formative experience for me. I saw that movie when I was like twelve, and it was like some friends were showing it a sleepover, and I, I had to go to, into another room yeah. because it was like too sexual. Oh, and it's wow. it's kind of a part of my sexuality now. Yeah, the way oh, he wow. fucks on that 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 ice pop thing. I mean, that- she's, and she's and then she goes, "Hey, I think I think we." Are you in the mood for some kink tonight? Which is not a thing that people say. But I thought that I was like, I guess this is what I gotta do in a couple years when I'm a teenager. I gotta say, are you in the let's get let's have some kink tonight? (laughs) Also, brother, I do want to ask you because I do, I'm a big fan of the rom-com, and you are in a new rom-com, your place or mine, which with an a rom-com queen, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, oh my god. Incredible. Ashton Kutcher's there too, and love him, but Reese is like the queen of the rom-com. What was that like? Well, I got to do, I only did a day on this movie. The fact that I get like credit on this movie and I'm listed in the cast is amazing. You're I did a, a day. I, I, I know. Mm-hmm. I did a day of work. I mean, bless Aline Brosh McKenna, who continues to keep me employed. Uh, I, it's, uh, it was so cool. And I, and I got to act with Reese a ton and I've, I've since got to know her. I've known her kind of in passing for a couple of years, but I've since gotten to know her better. And, she is such a nice person. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up her ass. Like if she weren't nice, I would say, I would just change the subject. She's pretty. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. An actually like a very, a wildly sweet person. Mm. And when someone is that successful, she's one of a few A-list celebrities <laughs> left, frankly. Yeah. You don't it's need to be superstar. nice when you're that successful. Yeah. But she's really fucking nice. I just imagine a day with her is like, drinking iced tea and talking about books but not like <laughs> not like like super super great books but like books you can buy at target you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i can see that that's so specific i know yeah, that's how i imagine my day with reese witherspoon sure yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that that is accurate to your day with reese witherspoon yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. In, in regards yeah. to um in, in regards to um both uh, reboot and your place or mine uh this is these are product pre- projects that you 
did not create and you got to just basically act on versus oh, crazy ex-girlfriend. Step on the set was... and I go blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. So how is it, how must it feel to be able to, well, actually I shouldn't, what does it feel like to be able to work on something where you aren't behind the scenes at all? It's just you coming and acting versus all of the work that you did on something like crazy ex-girlfriend. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, doing the work, writing and acting, writing, creating something and acting, and it will always be the most fulfilling, whether it's on stage or on screen, just that that's my bread and butter. That's what I love doing the most. But I also really love acting for the sake of acting. And the idea that I can just walk onto a set, get, by the way, like not the same amount of credit, but a similar amount of outward credit because actors get a disproportionate amount of credit for oh, things. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and having, and, and, and I didn't have to spend a second in the editing room or the yeah. writer's room that I just came onto a set and spoke someone else's words, yeah. but I'm doing just as many interviews yeah. as had I created it is kind of stunning. Yeah. And it's a, it's a relief to not worry. I remember there was a, a bunch of COVID cases in the middle of filming reboot. And I was talking to production coordinator and I was like, man, am I really happy to not be on your end? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like the EPs were obviously, they were all like, okay, well, how do we shoot around this person? Would we rewrite? And I was like, yeah, I I don't have to do any of that yeah. right now. And it's Grapes. quite refreshing. But no, I, I do love, they're just kind of different things, but I, I love creating my own work. It really is insane. Uh, how much credit actors get. I mean, yeah. they. I would. I would go a step further, Rachel, and say that they get the most credit of almost anyone in the world, minus like professors and Supreme Court justices. <laughs> I mean, they get. They get a lot of, of credit. Well, and, and they do deserve yes. a lot of the. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, the uh, of the product, you know. Uh, I, they which, do, and I it's what that. you, and it's what you, and it's what you see. I think that. Um, I, I think like the, it's like disproportionate credit, right? So I get to go to the Your Place or Mine premiere. I get a plus one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a day of work on the movie. Right. I'm sure, but because I'm in the movie, I'm an actor in the movie. I'm sure, positive, that there are people who did a day, who worked every day on the movie, who don't get an invite to the premiere because no. they're not the face of the movie, right? That's right. just how premieres work. So it's... uh. It's not no credit. And I think that when I talk to non-actors, they're like, no, what you guys do is magic. What actors do is amazing. And actors have to look good all the time and 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 emote in front of camera and be very vulnerable. And that is true. Yeah, it, it is true. Acting, it's not nothing. But yeah, it they become the face of the thing. They, there are many people out there who th- who think that act or used to think that actors just come up with their own lines. Yeah. Right? <laughs> or that they yeah. are that character. Well, but, yes. there's, but there's also the element of, I'm thinking of like, like with your place or mine, someone like you or Reese or Ashton, they, someone who's a fan in the audience seeing that trailer, there's a lot of responsibility for like that, like Reese's fan base to come out and support this film or else she's not going to get another film like this. And there is that there's a lot of money being put in it to because someone like Reese Witherspoon is in a film like this. So like in a way, I get it. Yeah, everyone should get the equal credit, but also like there is a lot of weight for someone for a star, I think, to then have something bomb or not or be successful. And it's like a lot of that goes on their reputation and it's being bit sold as a business on their reputation in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I think that's a, such a good point that on the publicity end of things, maybe maybe it makes up for the disproportionate credit with the actors are the ones who are being the face of something is. Yeah 
for good, for good and for better and for worse, you're the face of a thing, which means you're doing all the press, you're doing the interviews, but also if something gets panned, you're the face of the yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas the DP is not going to have the same scrutiny right. or the first AD is not going to have right. the same scrutiny. So that's a good point. Goes back to Faye Dunaway with Mommy Dearest. <laughs> that's a great example. Like, she, <laughs> but when that film bombed, her career was over just over in a lot of ways. Like she didn't do anything for like 15, 20 years after that, once Don Juan DeMarco came out. And it was like, mm. that's a great example of a film bombing. And then it, the reputation of the actor being completely decimated because of it. When did it get popular then? It, it, it was like when uh, gay bars would start showing it and they did a ABBA Mamma Mia remake where they use clips from uh, the film within Mamma Mia, the song, and it was like a show tunes thing. And then it just became this sort of cult classic. I've never okay. felt more disconnected from my own community than your description just then of what gay bars <laughs> used so to fun. Be. I'm going to send you the video. I'll send you the video too. It is such I a was fun. I watched that movie as a, again, I think I grew up in a household that kind of cuz my mom we watched Mommy Dearest a lot and my mom would be like, "No more wire hangers." Like <laughs> we lived for like crazy people. Oh, I go around yeah. screaming, "Barbara, please." Like literally just randomly. It's mm -hmm. it's kind of a problem. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Oh, you have no. to. It's so good. It's good, but what I'll say is, it's it's also a story of a very abusive yes. person, and I think that that's the problem a lot with the general like, oh my god, she's such a cunt. It's so great, and it's yeah. like, well, uh, no, they're abusive, <laughs> right. and they're and and they're actually inflicting abuse. She's she's abusing her children. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And people, the kind of I think there's a toxicity as someone who lives vicariously through people being openly angry and articulate, there is a toxicity to, if you don't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. I think that's an incredibly toxic thing to say. Oh, um, yeah. And it's bred this Insane. kind of like, this over, it's not masculine, it's this overconfident, like I am a star. H yeah, and H if you don't, and if you don't see my light, <laughs> yeah. then you don't deserve to gaze upon me. It's like- Very it's real like housewives, you, yeah. It's like, no, you need you need heavy, expensive therapy. You are, yeah. you are abusive to everyone <laughs> yeah. in your life. You're a terrible friend. You're actively cheating on your husband. Um, you're, <laughs> you're a horrible, horrible human being. And so I uh, know I don't see your starlight um, because you, you should, you should be a supernova and Wait, just explode. Go ahead, Brent. I was gonna say full circle comeback. Uh, I just want everyone to know in case you ever want to get an autograph from Faye Dunaway, she refuses to sign anything related to Mommy Dearest. Just yep. so you know, and she refuses so wow. to talk about it or anything. There's Doesn't like great... to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Wait, but it was that's what I associate. Oh, she's with. traumatized by it. She will not talk. She about hates it. it. Yeah. Oh, that's a tragedy. Yeah. It really is. Well, aren't, there's also leaked footage, right? Is this a thing? There's like. What? Leaked no, there's a leaked audio all of a, but that yeah, was a voicemail. Nothing yeah. to do with mommy dearest. I mean, she oh. brought it up in it because she was like, everyone asked about mommy dearest. I won't talk about it. Like she was giving yeah. you know parameters of what but she was talking about. Separate but. from that, there's a leaked voicemail that she left her assistant. Yeah, Is that's, that right? Yeah, that's that's, that's the voicemail yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, she's also notoriously like horrible to work yeah. with, right? Yeah. Horrible. She's horrible. Wait, speaking of someone else that's horrible, um, not not the cat, but the person that it looks like. <laughs> You told me when mm. when I when we did the Newsweek's parting shot that you have a Hitler cat, um, like not actual Hitler cat, but a cat that looks like Adolf Hitler. Oh You're, yeah, how is yeah, the I cat do. doing? You know, I haven't seen Adolf in a couple of weeks, wow. and my husband has taught our daughter that he's like that's Adolf, and so we pass that house, and my daughter goes, "Where Adolf?" 
<laughs> and so someday we're going to have to explain to her what that means. Um, uh, Adolf, Adolf Kittler, I haven't seen him recently. You know, I think that the Kanye thing might have oh, yeah. been really hard and like, I don't know, upsetting. Um, but but I caught a glimpse of the owners the other day and they seemed like fine people. Oh. I mean, I this cat, I would post a picture of this cat on the Internet, but then my husband's like, well, is it like posting a picture of someone's child? Like, is that kosher no. to post a picture of like someone else's pet in their house? And also then they're going to like realize they're going to know where we live. Like they're, they live yeah. so, the people who own this Kittler live so close to us. So he's like, <laughs> is that like not neighborly? But like, when I tell you this cat looks like Hitler, mm. it's not only the mustache, it's also the angular side part. Oh it's no, so, wow. You send me a picture of this cat. Just I will. For me. It's it's shocking. I'll find a picture of Adolf Kittler and I'll send, I'll send it to Elliot. And it, it, it is I'll... truly, it's a choice. If you have this cat, Either you love Hitler or you're like, this cat wasn't getting adopted. They were going to put this cat down because he looks like Hitler. Right. So, I'm gonna take in the, so I'm going to take in this cat. Yeah. Oh, wow. My boyfriend literally just asked recently. Um, he was like, is this anti-Semitic? Um, I really like the name Dolph. Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's almost, that almost as close to when my ex asked, insisted that I, not insisted, but suggested heavily that I read Mein Kampf. Oh my! Oh, right, right. <laughs> and I was like, I had to really a talk little... him out of it. Where he was like, "It's really interesting to know, like, to think about what he was thinking." And I'm like, well, not. "I think I know what he was thinking." I think I know what he was thinking. Well, Rachel, thank I'm, you I'm, so much I'm actively for joining us. For the, the Adolf Hitler picture on my phone. You know what? I'll find it. I'll find it yeah, on, on Gregor's phone. But thank you so much for doing. Yeah. It oh, this is my pleasure. I'm just gonna be. I can't wait to get your reactions. <laughs> I wish I could show it to you in real time right now. So where where uh, can people find you on the internet? Oh, Instagram. Instagram. Rachel does stuff. I'm trying to be more right. active on the TikTok. Um, sure. You know. Okay. Stay oh, relevant. Oh, and they can they can <laughs> yeah. watch Rachel and I do our duet. Yes. On mm -hmm. Netflix's, uh, I forget what it was called, but Jane. Lillian Jane. Lillian Jane's comedy yeah. spectacular. We did. And I do want to take credit. Elliot and I wrote that. We wrote <laughs> we that bit. That is our bit. No one wrote it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Came up with that entire bit. <laughs> and within... we weren't supposed to, but we did. Yeah, we weren't supposed to. It was within two days of the event. Two and days. We did it and we look fantastic and it went yeah. really well. It did and we, go really well. And we closed the show. We I closed think. the show for some reason. Yeah. It was. <laughs> All a wild, a wild we'll couple of show, days. But that but doesn't that mean really that fun. you remember the name of the show. But either way, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> thank you so thank much, Rachel. Thanks, for Rachel. Thank you for having me. And another thing, this was brought up uh, at, uh, at at work for me recently, where somebody asked me in front of everybody if I'm a five star five star gay. Wow. Oh, no, sorry, gold star gay. Yeah, Gold Star Gay. Gold Star Gay. Oh, oh, I think I've heard that. And that's someone who has never kissed a girl, right? I never no. had anything with a with a person who identifies as a woman or, you know, anything. Okay. I love, I love the idea of of you thinking that it was like not kissing, like like the even like the lightest, the light. I thought, but I thought, I thought that was it. I thought that no, was like you never it's not having kissed sex. a girl. Oh, okay. It's not, you know, maybe not like full-blown penetrative but isn't, sex. Isn't that but like, most? Is that most? Gay men like have not had penetrative sex. Right? That's a good question. Woman, I don't, right? I mean, isn't that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm I am a gold star gay. Uh, I've never. I mean, that's actually that's not true. You guys will laugh, but 
I had a. <laughs> <laughs> Were we talking about the first grade wrestling uh, event? The first when... grade moment. <laughs> and it was a hypersexual moment in first grade with a girl. But yeah, that, that counts. Oh, that doesn't oh. count. I, love I had a girlfriend just... in. I had a girlfriend in middle school. I had a girlfriend in high school. We did mm-hmm. not have tr- penetrative sex. So well, that means that means I'm, gold star. Then like, I'm still a gold star. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't equate like what? doesn't really matter to that. It's about what? sex. What an incredibly uncomfortable question to be asked. Who I know, asked you this question? How <laughs> wildly inappropriate. Writer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was because uh, it was it was because we had to. There, there was a, a line. He's like, "Honey, tell us about your haul or whatever." And you're like, <laughs> "There was a oh. line. We we're coming up with like a, a line to to, to a, a funny." metaphor to replace like bun in the oven and mm-hmm. one that i came up with was <laughs> worm in the rotten apple <laughs> but it was in the realm of the joke we were making and so he was like oh wow that is definitely the mark of a gold star gay which yeah. implied that because that i've never had sex with a woman thus i would think of a vagina as a rotten apple and i defended myself by saying oh. just because oh, i am no. a five just because That's i'm so a golden toxic. a gold star gay does not mean that i would th- the the i don't think of i don't like the idea yeah. of thinking of vaginas as being disgusting or gross i find it to be beautiful. insulting and yeah so i just was uh, so i well, had to defend myself that far, on that but... on that take no, I'm just kidding. Um, that is such. So, yeah, no, I agree, Alan. It's incredibly toxic. I do find it. It's one of my least favorite things in the entire world when a gay man will kind of relish in the relative safety that they get for being gay in like a big city and talk yeah. about how gross vaginas are. I just yeah. I literally bristle. So, it is actually gross. So condescending and childish and yeah. stupid. Yeah. It's also and like, you know, you, you came out of everything one. awful. Yeah. yeah you came but out of one. Not even that, it's just so immature. It's so, it makes you so basic. You're just like, you're just dumb. You're a horrible person. You're so you're basic. Right. Also, you think disgusting buttholes are beautiful too? <laughs> like, if, 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 if you're like, ew, vaginas are gross. And the, the hole you use to have diarrhea is what yeah. you have to use otherwise. It's like, that's, <laughs> That's absolutely absurd. <laughs> I get, I get the 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 humor in the ignorance of being unaware of the female anatomy or anatomy of a person's sure, vagina. Sure, I get that. Sure. I am. I will admit to being very unaware, and that is largely so you're unaware about a lot of things, Alan. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. No, sure, Brent. Um, fundamentally, <laughs> that word unaware of. Uh, but no, I, I I get that because I, I liken that mainly to the education system and how we aren't taught about those things and the how, patriarchy, Brent. There's another word you like. Yeah. Um, and it's because of all those things that we don't learn that in school. That said, that said, I also feel like this is like in the era of like a new view on on gender and sort of how the the sort of the the renaissance of understanding the spectrum of gender and how gender is a spectrum. This is a question that needs to die. This is a conversation oh, yeah. that needs to die in that not all women have vaginas and not all men have penises. And all of those things are just biological body parts that you get assigned at birth because of people and the the way this system is and it's like this is a conversation that is actually kind of ignorant and probably you know we shouldn't be having well, it anymore to make it worse uh <laughs> uh gold star gay means you've never like touched you know you've never hooked up with a woman double gold star gay means you were born via c-section yeah oh, god yeah. And that's a real thing. The, the, I was the, born by a C-section, though, and I broke two of my mother's ribs. 
Oh my oh, God. I was that fat. I was that large. I, mean, <laughs> I was 10 pounds. Yeah. Well, yeah, the idea of a double gold star gay is even more upsetting because again, it's like to desecrate the womb from which you came, like the, yeah. the reproductive yeah, no, organ from which real. you came is just so repugnant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm down with you. Let's get rid of this term. Yeah. Down with it. Down with the gays. <laughs> down, down with television. The gays are trying to murder me. <laughs> What would, would your, your aunt, aunt say? What would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? So I guess this whole time I've actually been noging. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Aunt Joanne would say, why didn't you ask Rachel about her bat mitzvah? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How about Aunt Aunt? My Aunt Anne would say, I'm a five-star gay from Marsha Gay Harden. I love that show, so help me, Todd. Great, I love great it. show, great, great show. show. Great show. Well, everyone, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash you're making it worse. And you can follow us at instagram.com slash Brent, <laughs> Mr. Brent Sullivan. Don't follow him. He won't follow any of you back. He doesn't even follow us. Instagram.com slash H. Allen Scott. And Elliot can be found at instagram.com slash legs in the air. <laughs> Oops, I meant to say onlyfans.com slash legs in the air. Oh, well. It all, it all goes to the same place. Cut, he has cut it out. Cut this out. No, no. Oh, <laughs>